When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. What is up, Buffalo Fanatics? We got another episode coming at you live of the BF Writers Club right here on the one and only Buffalo Fanatics Network. This is Kevin Syracuse, your host tonight, and I'm going to start things off telling you what exactly happened in that first week of free agency around the NFL and for the Buffalo Bills. And then I'm going to have my man Zach Vaughn and my man Bryce Martino coming on to... See what their thoughts are about Bills free agency, because I have a lot of opinions about what's going on at one Bills drive, and I'm going to try to make this come full circle here and explain how I'm seeing things, and I'm going to see what you guys think. So like I said, Zach and Bryce will be joining me later on throughout the show. Love to hear from you guys as well. But for now, it's just me and you. We're riding shotgun tonight, baby. So with that, let's start right there as... We are entering week two of NFL free agency. Obviously, this is Sunday, March 19th. A week ago tomorrow was tampering period. And then the official start of the new league year started on Wednesday. And it's been very, very quiet for the bill. And I know that we weren't expecting a lot this offseason. And Brandon Bean said that from his end of the season press conference right until his press conference the other day where he said, look, we're not going to go out and get that big ticket. We're not going to get a Von Miller this year. And the way we see it, I think a lot of people, especially through Bill's Twitter from what I've been seeing the last few days, the common phrase of, well, the cap doesn't exist. There's always money in the banana stand. We got to do something, right? Odell, Derrick Henry, Dalvin Cook, Jerry Judy, all these guys. And I think we've all been waiting for that one big move, but it hasn't happened yet. And I, I really don't think it's going to. Sorry, I don't mean to burst your bubbles here, but I don't think we're going to be in store for a big move coming up this week. So that being said, have the bills improved? Yes. But am I happy about it? Do I think they actually improved? No. And, and you might be sitting there thinking, well, how, how do they improve, but they actually didn't improve? So let's just get right into it. The main thing is, let's start here, Jordan Poyer. This was 
one of the best things to happen for the Bills in terms of answering their questions, right? Going into the offseason, the two big questions were what's going to happen with Tremaine Edmonds and what's going to happen with Jordan Poyer. So Tremaine Edmonds goes to Chicago and he signed a four-year, $72 million contract to become the fourth highest paid linebacker in the NFL. And we actually talked about that last week on this show, saying how I could see Edmonds sliding in between Fred Warner and CJ Mosley right in between 19 and 17 million. And sure enough, he got 18 million. So am I upset that he's not in Buffalo anymore? Yes. Am I mad that the bills didn't match it? Not necessarily, but at the same time, I think they have a big question to answer now. Who's going to fill his spot. So I don't want to get into that too much. Now that's what Zach and price will be for later on in terms of Jordan Poyer. I think this is the one that we were all shocked at because when I saw that news the other day, I had to do a double take on my phone. I was like, what? The Bills got Jordan Poyer back? I thought he wanted to go elsewhere. I, I thought he was trying to chase some money, and I thought he was talking to Tua, and they were going golfing together, and the way his wife was talking, I thought he was gone for sure, right? And then he comes back, and he says, no, this is where I've always wanted to be. And I, I think it's a combination of things because the market was really drying up for safeties. So I think if someone did hand Poyer a fat contract, would he have taken it? Maybe, but I think this whole process taught him and it made him realize that there's more to life than money or taxes for that matter. And I think that was a really heartfelt, emotional press conference that he gave. I clipped up about a minute of one of his answers and that was, that was straight from the heart. He wasn't reading off a script or anything, or the PR director wasn't telling him to say that by him saying that he always wanted to be here and just seeing all the people in the building and all the relationships that he built over the last few years. And just talking about Micah Hyde and running it back one more time, year 11, they want to bring a championship to the city of Buffalo. And then he goes to the hospital too. I mean, that shows who Jordan Poyer is. So again, for as much as we talk about the money or the taxes at the end of the day, Jordan Poyer wants to be here. And I think we all want him to be here too. That being said, I still think that they need to get younger at safety. That's great news that Brandon Bean thinks that DeMar Hamlin can possibly come back still, but Poyer and Hyde are not getting any younger and they need to add some more safety into that pool to get some potential replacements. But nonetheless, Jordan Poyer is back. The bills were 13 and one last year when he played and the only loss came against Cincinnati. So that made me feel better because it was like a wall. The wall was secured off because now that that back end is completely set. You have Trey White, CB1, Micah Hyde, Jordan Poyer, Kyrie Elam, and Taron Johnson. Bills re-signed Dane Jackson, so he's a backup. I hope it's Elam over Jackson this year. But nonetheless, that back end is solidified. But there's still lots of questions <clears throat> Excuse me, that remain to be answered here. And that's what we're going to get into tonight. But I want to start with the offense here. I want to start with the two big signings for the Bills, because obviously Poyer was a big signing in itself, but that was a re-signing. So in terms of guys that the Bills brought in, I'm going to focus on Connor McGovern and Deontay Hardy, formerly Deontay Harris, Deontay Hardy now. So again, did the Bills improve? Yes. McGovern is undoubtedly an upgrade over Roger Saffold, at least based on last year's numbers. And same thing you could probably say for Hardy, that he's an upgrade over Isaiah McKenzie, because when this first started, I was like, what, what are we doing here? 
we have a duplicate to steal a word from Brandon Bean's mouth where he is exactly Isaiah McKenzie, but based on the numbers and the trends, it looks like he's a glorified version of Isaiah McKenzie. So the Bills had a problem last year of having too many guys with the same skill set, but yet they didn't know how to use them. So why are we getting Hardy when he's still on McKenzie? So then McKenzie gets a boot. If you listen to the show last week, I was a big fan of McKenzie. He was not. I thought McKenzie did not have the best season last year, but I think he was underutilized. I don't think this coaching staff used him correctly. And I think if you give him to someone like Andy Reid, or if he goes to the Giants and Brian Dable, they will make him a weapon. And he could have been that here. But nonetheless, I like Deontay Hardy. Seems like a nice piece. So let's go back to McGovern. 25 years old, coming off of his rookie contract, and he played with Ryan Bates. Those are the first things that kind of jump out of you where he got drafted in the third round from Dallas, went to Penn State. He sat out his rookie year because he tore his pec. And then the last couple of years in Dallas, he was a fringe starter, backup. And then last year was his main year being that starter. So you love a guy like this where he's 25, he still has a lot of upside, and you think his best days are, are ahead of him. And you were relying on your coaching staff to develop him. And you like that continuity between him and Bates on the, in, uh, on the interior. So then you go to Hardy and you say, well, what's the main thing we got here? And that's speed, athleticism, and versatility. So Hardy is a guy that can play essentially five different positions. But but this is where I got caught up a little bit, where I woke up and I saw that news and I saw a lot of people on Twitter were like, whoa, what are we doing here? Why why did we get this guy? Why, why didn't we get Odell? Or why didn't we get Jerry Judy or DeAndre Hopkins? Why are we getting another Isaiah McKenzie just for the coaching staff not to know how to use them? And that's where I got caught up because I don't want to be one of those fans that's going to sit there and say, oh, this is a terrible signing. The Dolphins and the Jets are way better than us, and we're not going anywhere this year. We're already third in the division. Might as well just plan for the next year. No, I mean, let's let's take it take it easy here. You know, take a step back, and I, I always try to say, okay, what do we actually have to work with here? Look at the numbers. Look what different people are saying. Do your own research before you just make one of those knee-jerk reactions. But as I was doing that, I was just waiting for that feeling to evaporate and be like, oh, this is another great deal by Brandon Bean. But that feeling never really arose from me. Like it did, but to its full potential, like I've seen with other contracts in the past. So I, I was thinking, okay, well, this guy is – a kick returner and a punt returner. So those are the first two positions, right? He was an all-pro returner. But then you say, well, wait a sec. The Bills just restructured Naheem Hines. So that's kind of a duplicate in the return game. Okay. And then Hardy also has nine fumbles in his career while being a returner. So then it's like, okay, well, if he's not that much of a returner, if you want to use Hines, maybe you, you split him up a little bit. We know how great Hines was last year. Maybe you leave Naheem Hines as a kick returner, and then Hardy can be the punt returner. So then you look at the next position and say he can also line up in the backfield and be a dynamic weapon and he can be that gadget player. But then you say, well, if you're going to take the return duties away from Naeem Hines, that's one of his other roles where you can use him as that dynamic weapon. So again, a duplicate. So I don't want to say we're 0 for 3 because I think that there still is a lot of potential with Hardy in the return game. So we're at least 1 for 3 right now. And then you look at the slot. He's also a slot receiver. 
but he actually played less snaps in the slot than on the outside. So looking at it from the slot perspective, then you say, well, we have Khalil Shakir. And we've been talking about how Shakir has been underutilized and how Shakir needs to get more snaps. And he was blocked last year. So is Hardy going to block him? Okay, one for four. So what's the last position here that Deontay Hardy can provide? Where he essentially has the position locked down right now because there is no one else there. And that's a boundary receiver. The first backup behind Gabe Davis. Now, I posed this question last week to Zach and Bryce, and I think I caught them off guard. And I think other people, I, I kind of caught myself off guard because I asked them, who was the, the, the backup receiver behind Gabe Davis on the outside last year? And you think about it for a second. You say, well, it was Jake Kumaro, but he battled injuries all year. It was Isaiah Hodgins, but then they sent him back down and then the Giants claimed him. And then it was left to John Brown to come out of retirement. So the Bills were really, really razor thin at outside receiver last year. So Hardy, right now, he immediately slots in as that outside receiver behind Gabe Davis. And, okay, he has speed, he has separation, but again, this coaching staff really didn't know how to use guys with those talents last year. And Hardy's only 5'6", and he has an injury history. If you want to check out uh, the thigh docs, and use it this guy basically a lot of soft tissue injuries where he has hamstring injuries and then last year he dealt with turf toe and that is a very nagging injury and he also had a couple of neck injuries a couple of years ago so you say okay now we have a five six boundary receiver and his main attribute is speed so what does that tell you and this all kind of clicked for me. Okay. And I'm looking at it from that perspective. And I, I'm not trying to sit here and and say that this is terrible. And I, But I'm also not trying to say that it's sunshine and rainbows. I'm just trying to look at it from a very balanced perspective here. Because I don't want us to be naive as fans. But you couple the Deontay Hardy signing with the McGovern signing. And that tells me, I got the impression that the Bills said, we're not going to change what we did last year. We just want to do the same thing, but do it better. So essentially, the impression that I got was Ken Dorsey didn't learn anything about being more balanced on offense. He didn't learn that you have to use a short to intermediate passing game. And rather, he just wants to run it back and say, okay, go get me the weapons to make my play calling more successful. And that's why you get a guy like Connor McGovern, who was ranked 13th in pass protection, but 79th in run blocking. And that's why you get another burner in Deontay Hardy, because now he is the new shiny toy for Ken Dorsey to say, Josh, that's your guy. We're not going to use Gabe Davis, who had a 52% catch rate. We're going to use that guy who can take the top off the defense. And I've been stressing this ever since the end of the year that you have to stretch the field horizontally. You can't just go vertically. And again, it's early, and I'm not trying to say that that's what they're doing, but my impressions from the first week of free agency was that Ken Dorsey said, hey, if you're going to retain me as offensive coordinator, then go get guys that fit my offense. And if you remember, the end of the season press conference, Brandon Bean was asked about Ken Dorsey. And they said, I don't remember the exact question, but basically they were saying, what can you say about Ken Dorsey moving forward? And Bean said, hey, 
I would hope that he he will be a better offensive coordinator in year two than he was in year one because I was a better general manager in year two, three, four, and five. I think McDermott was a better coach as he moves on. So naturally, no matter what you do, you're going to get better at it as time goes on. And the key phrase here was that Brandon Bean said, we are going to get him the resources to do that. And again, it all just kind of clicked for me where I said, that's it. They are getting guys to match Ken Dorsey's offense. And I think if they continue on with this trajectory, that could be a very dangerous path because yeah, can, can, can Dorsey evolve as a play caller and can he learn to adapt? Of course. Will he is the main question. And the problem that I have with that is when you do this, when you want to stretch the field vertically, that puts a lot of pressure on Josh Allen. And that's what we saw last year where he was playing hero ball. And we all were in agreement at the end of the year, as much as we were blaming Ken Dorsey, it was also Josh's fault for being sugar high Josh and not taking those checkdowns, not taking the easy routes down the middle of the field and instead going deep or trying to extend a play and do too much with it. So when I saw those two signings, I was just like, oh man, here we go again. So you, you say, all right, well, how can we change that? Because again, I'm not trying to sound the alarm and say, oh man, here we go. Woe is me. No, there's still a lot of time left. This is only week two of free agency. So how can we feel better about this? Or at least how can I feel better about this moving forward that we're not just going to be that vertical offense this year? Well, number one, go get me a power running back. We, we've been talking about this right along where I was so high on Jamal Williams and Deontay Foreman, and I was so crushed when we didn't get either of them because especially looking at the value of the contracts, Jamal Williams signed with the Saints for three years, $12 million. And you might look at that and say, yeah, but most of his touchdowns came from within the goal line or just a couple yards out. But the fact of the matter was he still had 17 rushing touchdowns and he ran for over a thousand yards. Deontay Foreman, he ran for over 900 yards and five touchdowns in nine starts after the Panthers traded McCaffrey. And those two guys are the definition of just that big bruiser that can be that downhill back to complement James Cook and Naheem Hines. And we were talking about this before, how you have to take the pressure off of Josh and you want to eliminate the amount of hits that go on his body. And one of the best ways to do that is by getting a power running back. The Bills... Did not bet. So I don't want to get into it too much. This is more the generics. We'll save that for when Zach and Bryce come on. And we're going to get into, the, into the, some of the names that are out there that maybe the Bills could still sign. But they just got to get a power running back. They don't have to be a run-heavy team. When you have Josh Allen as your quarterback, you're going to be a pass-heavy team. But you have to be able to be balanced. I don't care what day and age it is. I don't care what year it is. I don't care how strong your quarterback's arm is. You have to have balance on offense and to be able to do multiple things. Because look at how the Bills season ended last year. Look what Cincinnati did. Did Joe Burrow go deep to his receivers one time? Yeah, maybe. But that whole game was because of coaching and scheming where they dinked and dunked on us the whole day. And the Bills had no answers. And then look what Kansas City did in the AFC Championship game and the Super Bowl. That was all scheming and coaching where Sky Moore and Kadarius Tony, they're fine wide receivers. Aren't they that great where they can get that good separation and be wide open in the middle of a Super Bowl? Not even the middle, towards the end of the Super Bowl when it was crunch time. 
No, that's because Andy Reid is one of the best offensive coaches that the game has ever seen. So you just have to be balanced. So that being said, I'm talking about wide receivers. The Bills need depth at wide receiver. And and Brandon Bean is aware of this. He said at his press conference the other day, we want to get depth and competition for all these positions, including the next one that I'm gonna that I'm gonna talk about here. And I think it was Matt Perino asked a great question. He said, You have a couple of running backs who are more the shifty pass catching backs. Would you like to get someone else to compliment them? And Bean straight up said, Yes, we would like to get a heavier back because I know that we have a couple of guys who are around 200 pounds. James Cook is 190. Naeem Hines is 198. And for what it's worth, Deontay Foreman was 236. So that's that's the kind of size that we're talking about here, that big bruiser, a big power back. So wide receiver depth. This is an, another position where Bean said they want to address, but here's a problem now. The money is starting to get dried up. Bean said that they had nine to nine and a half million left in cap space. He released McKenzie. So you're up to about 12, 12 and a half. We'll, we'll just say 12 to make it easy, but you got to save six or seven for your draft class. And then you have to save probably about three for your practice squad. So really the bills have $3 million to work with right now. And you know, could have used that on Deontay Foreman, but that's neither here, neither here nor there. Anyways, $3 million. Who are we going to get now? I'm not going to get into too many of the names, but I think that it's an obvious that the Bills need more help at wide receiver because the only four under contract right now are Diggs, Davis, Shakir, and Hardy. Now, Bean said that Hardy's going to be the wide receiver four, meaning that he has that inside outside flexibility. But he also said that about Shakir last year, and Shakir was buried on the bench. So I don't want to read into that too much. Gabe Davis needs someone behind him because he proved that he cannot be a full-time wide receiver too. And if he's coming up on a contract here, you need to draft someone who could potentially replace him. So whether it's round one, round two, round three, you just got to draft a, a wide receiver high because it's been forever since the Bills took a high pick on a wide receiver, and now is the time to do it. But that being said, I would also like to see them sign a cheap veteran because they only have four wide receivers right now. So even if you draft one, you're at five. I don't want to see them resign Jake Kumaro. I don't want any of those signings again, because look how that turned out. I'm still ticked off that they kept Jay Kumaro over Isaiah Hodgins just because of special teams. So I want them to go get a veteran, but it's going to be tough because of the money. So then the other way that the third way here where I'm going to feel better about our off season and that the bills can get more balanced on offense, build up the offensive line. Now, Here's the other part of that McGovern signing where, again, I like it. It's an improvement over Roger Saffold or Bobby Hart, for that matter, or Greg Van Roten. But here's the other part of it that is getting me a little bit, I don't want to say uneasy, but it's got my my head scratching a little bit here. Bill signed McGovern for three years, $22.5 So he's making about 7.5 per year in terms of average annual value. That is starting money. He is in the top 20 right now. I think he's 18th or 19th in terms of highest paid guards. Ryan Bates, they got him back on that four-year, $17 million deal. So he's at about three and a half right now. I'm not exactly sure about the cap hits, but either way, 
between the two of them, that's about $12 million tied up to your interior guards. So you're looking at them as the starters. So that's fine, right? You, you get that continuity. It's an upgrade from last year, but it's more patchwork. And that's what the Bills have been doing ever since trading away Wyatt Teller, where they have, I don't want to say refused, because they did draft Cody Ford, and look how that turned out. But they've been trying to build their offensive line through free agency. Guys like Brian Winters, John Feliciano, Quentin Spain, Daryl Williams, Roger Saffold, Bobby Hart. The list goes on and on. So I've been wanting them to finally just make it a point to go get that interior offensive lineman and build it the right way. And we talked on the show last week about drafting an an interior offensive lineman and signing a proven veteran tackle to help Spencer Brown on the outside and to give him that depth and competition. But if you have $12 million tied up between your two guards, then right now it doesn't seem like the Bills are going to want to draft an interior offensive lineman. I know a lot of us were liking Osiris Torrance from Florida. Seems like a great pick. I've seen a lot of mocks that have him coming to the Bills at 27. But then, even if you draft Torrance and say, well, he can start along with McGovern, and then you just maybe sit Bates, or maybe he can be that six man. He can be the swing player and be that versatile guy. Then it looks like it's a poor allocation of resources because it's like, why did you sign these guys for so much money if you were just going to draft one anyways? Why did you give McGovern that much money if you could potentially sit him? So it it seems like the Bills are not going to draft that interior offensive lineman. And now because they haven't re-signed Tremaine Edmonds, now, as of right now, you kind of have to draft a linebacker. And I'm not sure if there's a linebacker with a first-round grade right now. So you are putting all your money on hoping that Jack Campbell is there. Maybe Drew Sanders, but he's more of a project. Trenton Simpson out of Clemson, I don't know. But this is kind of like last year where the Bills' only real hole was cornerback, and teams like Kansas City knew that they wanted a cornerback, so Kansas City traded up ahead of the Bills and got Trent McDuffie. So a team could look at that this year and say, oh, well, the Bills want Jack Campbell. All we need to do is leapfrog him just to prevent him from going to Buffalo, and then we can get him here. And believe me, there are a lot of teams that would want to do that. So now you're starting to see how some of these signings, where you look at it on the surface and say, oh, nice, McGovern's a nice guard, and Hardy's a nice little versatile weapon. But when you look at it from different angles, you start to see different things. And that's what I was doing. Like the whole week, I was just sitting there spending a lot of time in thought. And I see we have a ton of comments right now. These could all be positive. You might be agreeing with me, or I could be getting a bunch of hate mail right now. And (laughs) you guys might just be not even agreeing with what I'm saying. But this is the way I see it. And when I explained it to myself this way, it really started to make sense where I was like, I think I like our offseason, but I'm not totally there yet. I need to see more. And then once I really thought about it, it all kind of just filtered down. And I started to understand because now this affects the draft and that affects the salary cap and that affects the depth chart. And so many different working parts affect each other. And you have to look at it from that very um, unbiased point of view. And once you do that, you start to see some of these different aspects of it. So that's why I think week two of free agency and week three for that matter, this is so crucial for the bills because right now those are three holes that I just mentioned. And four, if you want to go over to the defense, but we'll start with linebacker and then wide receiver. 
running back, and offensive line. And there's only $3 million, $3 million left. So, again, did I think the Bills improved? Yes. Am I still concerned? Yes. I think there's a lot of work that needs to be done. And I think with that, that is enough of an opening monologue. Zach and Bryce, are you guys ready to come on? Because I want to see what you guys think. I want to see if you agree or if you disagree. Because I know we've talked. We've had some conversations here and there. But that was my first time really getting it out there. So I want to see what you guys think. And while we hear from Bryce, I'm going to go through now 149 comments. And I'm going to sift through these and see what you guys have to say about this. So are you guys ready? All right. Sweet. All right. First of all, here's Zach. You know what, Bryce? I'm going to bring you on in a second. I see my Wi-Fi might be a little bit spotty right now, so I, I better wait until this thing goes back up. So I want to hear from Zach first. Zach, what do you think about what I had to say? Well, I I have to agree that I think – we both didn't really know what to expect from the Bills this offseason beyond maybe not the big splashy moves that they did last year with Vaughn Miller, OJ Howard rattled off on like the second day of free agency or whatever. And I mean, I can understand why people would look at the moves they made with McGovern and Hardy and the re-signings and just think, what are they doing here? But I do have to say, though, I think that McGovern's a decent – McGovern should be a decent signing. Obviously, like you said, they gave him starter money. They're probably not drafting a guard or at least somebody who you would expect to start right away unless that's a center that you could transition to guard, start at guard to compete there and then move in once Mitch Morse moves out. But right tackle is still a big hole, and they're going to need to sign veteran competition for Spencer Brown or draft someone else to push him or just plan for the long term because as it stands right now, I'm not confident in that spot. Obviously, we haven't seen what this team's going to look like in training camp. We don't know. The roster hasn't been filled out. The draft cards haven't been submitted. But, and on the other hand, Deontay Hardy, like like you said, he basically replaced Isaiah McKenzie. They caught him a couple days after signing Hardy. And the only difference is I think that Hardy could very well actually be a better version of Isaiah McKenzie. He would be an upgrade over him as a receiver. And to the point about how it seems like you have redundancy at the return position. It's not, not a bad thing to have depth there. How many times over the past couple of years, since we lost Andre Roberts that had the bills shuffled through return men just to find competence. And now you have a receiver who made the pro bowl and as a rookie, as a return man, and he could very well be your second return option. You have Naheem Hines, who is an elite returner as well. It's not a bad thing to have two potential return specialists 
whether you have one person do both or you split it up between the two of them to try to get each of them involved more in the offense so they don't have to focus as much remains to be seen. But it's always good to have contingencies in place. And on defense, obviously, Tremaine Edmonds, losing him is a big, big loss. Obviously, at that contract rate, they weren't going to match that. They weren't going to re-sign him to that. And it's understandable. They didn't have the money, and good teams have to let good players walk sometimes. It happens. But I and I look at the totality of the Bills offseason as they could have done better, but it also could have been a whole lot worse. So if I had to give like a number from one to ten on it, I'd say I'd be at a five. I think that's where I'm at. I'm right around five, maybe six, because again. I think the Bills did improve, but when you look at it, I think there's a deeper philosophical problem where, as of right now, I don't think the Bills have really changed their offense to say, oh, let's try to be more balanced. They just say, let's continue to be smart, not conservative, but just execute it better. So with that, I'm going to bring Bryce on now, and I want to see what he thinks about all this. Bryce, what is up? What's going on, man? Good to be here. So, Bryce, what do you think about this whole conversation here as we are about over a half hour into the show? Um, obviously, you got to hear from me for a while, then Zach for a little bit just now. What do you think of our assessment of the offseason so far? Would you agree or maybe are, are you a little bit further off? Do you think the Bills still need to address certain positions? I mean, I'm, I'm sure we can agree on some positions, but just where are you at in general after week one of free agency? I think it went just about how I expected it to. You know, Buffalo came in with uh, no money. You know, didn't they didn't have enough to pay up for guys like Stefan Diggs or Von Miller like in years past. So it was going to, you know, kind of be a quieter first wave of free agency. Um, but everything Buffalo, uh, all the moves Buffalo makes from here on out will probably be second, third wave type stuff where you see them claiming guys that were, you know, recently waived cap casualties, you know, older veterans, just stuff to kind of fill out the roster before the draft starts. So you're not going in there with any uh, glaring needs. Now, let me ask both of you guys this. Did you guys connect the dots the way I did? Did you see it the way I did where they're building this offense around Ken Dorsey? Or did you look at that and say, eh, we improved and maybe you didn't connect those same dots. I just want to see if, if I'm getting the same impressions that other people are. What I kind of got from it is that they were trying to improve some of the depth in particular. Just enough. Steve room. Yeah, in the receiver room. And then offensive line, obviously, trying to improve by getting a younger free agent guard. Because last year, they the last couple of years, they tried the veteran route where they went after the seasoned guy, the guy over 30, brought him in, tried to patch up the O-line. That didn't work out quite as well. So this time, you go after someone who is entering into his second contract who's presumably whose best days are still ahead of him get him in here for like two to three years see if he can solidify himself 
and try to trying to go after those younger guys with upside who wouldn't necessarily cost as much as the Ben Powers or the Dalton Risners or the Isaac Samulos of the world. Trying to trying to find that happy medium between going with the best available, but also going with the cheapest available. And again, we won't know until these guys take the field together. And we also won't know what this complete team will look like until after the draft, when we finally get the rookies and we know who they drafted and filled out the rest of the 90 man roster. So obviously you can't real. I don't think you can really speak as to what they're doing right now completely. I think it's about 50% done. And I agree. But like I said, in the opening monologue, you got to look at the other point too, where you dump all that money into the offensive line. Again, more patchwork is McGovern probably the best guard out of any of the guards that we've, that we've tried since Wyatt Teller. Yeah. Based on what we know and the numbers and the trajectory, we would think that McGovern is going to be the best guard. But if money's tight and you're giving him an AAV of seven and a half, you just let your middle linebacker walk. You need depth at wide receiver. You need more depth on the offensive line. We haven't even talked about the defensive line. That still needs to be addressed. And you could use a power running back. So I understand you want to get McGovern, but when you look at it that way, then it kind of seems like that contract is a lot where you look at that and say, well, why don't we just go get a cheap, spread out the money a little bit, get a cheap, wide receiver, a cheap running back, a cheap defensive lineman, and then you can go draft Osiris Torrance, and you can get him on a cheap rookie deal instead of having to pay McGovern $22.5 million. Well, the thing is, too, is you already paid Connor McGovern starting level money. I don't see them drafting Osiris Torrance as much as Bills fans may hate me saying that. Like, I would love to have him on the offensive line, too, but they believe in Bates. They want to see what McGovern brings. And I just think that, again, unlike years past, they went with a younger guy in free agency who's going on a second contract, who presumably has his best year still ahead of him. They're not going to draft an offensive guard highly. If they do, maybe latter half of day two or early day three maybe try a developmental guy, see if they could build him up. But I think at this point, their offensive line's almost set. Again, just bring in a veteran option to compete with Spencer Brown, and I don't think they're ready to give up on Brown quite yet. So I just don't see him doing that much more besides signing cheap depth going forward into the OTAs. I want to throw this up here. Roy says, build the offense around Dorsey. Don't even know what his offense is. And I, I've seen a couple other people in the comments say that the Bills never really had an identity. And while that's true, the identity was Josh Allen. It's just Josh Allen is the superstar, so let's let him do everything. And that's why I want to get these complementary pieces, like a Deontay Foreman, like a Jermaine Illuminora as a right tackle, or drafting Osiris Torrance, or signing a wide receiver to behind Gabe Davis because I don't want Josh to do everything. It's weird. Josh is actually kind of getting up there in age. Really, he's still in his prime, obviously. But when you think about what is he turning 27 in May? Is he 26 right now? I think so, yeah. So he's not a little kid 25, anymore. 26, and, somewhere. Yeah. Yeah, and, and Cam Newton started to decline when he was getting up around 30. So if he continues to take these hits, 
that's what you could be looking at. So to go off of what Roy said, the identity right now is two words, Josh Allen. And that has to change. So that's why these next few weeks of the offseason are so crucial because you're not only building for this year, you're building for the future. And that's why I want those pieces because I don't want Josh to have to play hero ball and feel like he has to do everything again. Make it easy on him. I agree. You got to make it easier on Josh. You got to surround him with good weapons. You got to surround him with able bodies. But I don't think drafting an often a guard at 27 overall is going to really help right now. Like I said, you already made your move at guard and free agency. They're going to see what they have this year with that. I granted you can make an argument. They go wide receiver at 27, maybe like a Zay flowers, or if one of the other ones fall that are supposed to be going earlier, you can make that argument. But at the same time, remember how you a linebacker. was talking about. <laughs> yeah, I know. You got that glaring hole staring you right in the face. And also everyone talking about how Khalil Shakir needs to be more involved in the offense. Well, you can't really do that if you're putting too many offensive pieces on the board ahead of them. So it's that whole juggling act that GMs have to do. Obviously, and, and, just... You just got, we could just got to see what happens ultimately. I think they already made their wide receiver move in free agency with Hardy taking a flyer on them. It's a two-year deal, but it's basically a one, it's a one-year deal if they want to get out of it. And I don't really expect them making another one in free agency, probably in the draft though, just in the very, in the case that Gabe Davis doesn't improve in this year. And then they let him walk in free agency next year. And here's the thing about that. So now the Bills are putting themselves in a position where you say, we're not going to sign that many free agents. We're going to draft. We're going to rely on the draft, which is fine. But what did they do with their draft picks last year? They were scared to play them. Kyrie Elam was getting benched into December for a seventh rounder in Dane Jackson. Khalil Shakir was benched for whatever reason. Had 10 receptions all year. And the list goes on and on. They, they spent a third-round draft pick on Terrell Bernard. Never saw the field. And when he did, he didn't even look that well. So, again, I, I don't want to sound like I'm overreacting here, and I'm not trying to sound the alarm. But for the first time in a long time, I'm starting to get concerned about the trajectory of the Bills' offseason. This is not one of Brandon Bean's finer offseasons by any means. And, again, I know there's a lot of stipulations, mainly the cap situation but I think there's ways to manipulate it. And I think there's ways to go around it. And I just hope that they have a plan in place. Now, while I do agree with you there, uh, I do want to say that, you know, you did mention Bean did everything he could with what was given to him this off season. But, you know, if you restructured, say, uh, 10 people this offseason just throwing out a number you're going to destroy your cap space in future years and hurt yourself you know down into 2025 2026 because you're still paying these older 30 year old vets like the rams are doing and jaguars did in 2017 yeah and he, he said 
that I just want this to, he didn't want to, I think he, the phrase he used was he didn't want to kick the can down the road any further. So he does like, like you said, he doesn't want to spread the money out and then you have to pay these guys when at, like whatever year it is as that money gets spread out. But I just think something as simple as a Deontay Foreman signing where he signed with the bears for $3 million after he had been linked to the bills. Same with Jones. Buffalo got very, very team-friendly deals where you look at that and say, if Isaiah McKenzie got cut, why couldn't you use that 2.8 that you saved from cutting McKenzie and just give it to Deontay Foreman? Could it be that they're looking at like maybe a different running back, though? Someone that they haven't been linked to, maybe Kareem Hunt or, you know, Ezekiel Elliott, someone who's still free agent and not like the other running backs on our team. Because well, we're going to get into in that. Years, in we haven't been... Yeah, go, go ahead. No, I was just saying in past years, we haven't been linked to, you know, any big time free agents. So, you know, maybe the ones we were linked to are just smokescreen this year. Now, one big name that a lot of Bills fans are in love with, Bijan Robinson, because he is a beast. But as great as that is, I'm never that big of a fan of drafting a running back in the first round, especially the Bills have spent a day-two pick on running backs three out of the last four years between Zach Moss, Devin Singletary, and James Cook. So I'm tired of drafting running backs. Just go get a cheap, proven veteran to be that big bruiser to complement Cook and Hines. But if you draft Bijan Robinson because he's the best player available, okay, he's great, but you're going to further hurt the development of James Cook. You're going to prohibit Naheem Hines in the offense. And you still have way too many holes to fill because right now running back is not that big of an issue as middle linebacker is or offensive line or even wide receiver for that matter. And that's the thing that Bean likes to do so much where he likes to fill every position as much as he can so that when you go into the draft, you can take the best player available and you don't have to reach and say, well, I really want to take B. John Robinson, but middle linebacker is a bigger hole right now. So I guess I'm going to have to reach on Jack Campbell, even though he's projected to go in the second round. I better take him at 27 and pass up on B. John Robinson. And right now, that's what we're setting up to seeing right now, where the Bills might have to reach because there are going to be certain needs instead of being able to take the best player available. I mean, the thing is, too, is that usually Brandon Bean sets himself up where he does take the best player available on his draft board. Obviously, like you said, last year, they sort of ended up being pigeonholed into taking a corner in the first round, which conveniently ended up being an athletic guy, someone fitting the description, I think, of what most Bills fans wanted. And, I mean, to be determined how good he is, on the field like obviously I don't see him not being CB2 this year but this year yeah they sort of did the same thing now you're sort of at this moment pigeonholed into middle linebacker early obviously he's still got a ton of free agency to go there's ton of players still out there a couple of them that I think Bills fans were clamoring for Bobby Wagner's still out there Probably not going to happen. I would love it if it they did, but again, where are you finding the money? But 
I still think that Bean will just end up taking who he feels is the best player available. And if that happens to coincide with a need, then he'll then he'll do it. So be it. All right. So before we get into specific players that the Bills can target here going into week two, I want to ask you guys, what are your main positions of need? And I'm going to put you on the spot. What is the order? So I'll start. For me right now, I think it's got to be middle linebacker. And then I'm going to say wide receiver because technically we do have enough bodies on the offensive line and we don't have enough bodies at wide receiver. So middle linebacker, wide receiver, and then I'll go offensive line and then running back because you got to get the offensive line first before you get the running back. But, yeah, that, that's my top four, and I'll throw a defensive line in there for to round out the top five. So I'm going to go middle linebacker, Wide receiver, offensive line, running back, defensive line. Zach, you first. What is your order? So my order right now, based on how what they've done week in the first week of free agency, right now my order is middle linebacker. I kind of juggled between the next two, but I'll say wide receiver two, back, back up right tackle three, then edge rusher four because – I'm not sold on Basham or Epinesa filling in for Vaughn Miller in the short term or even in the long term. I still think they need to go out and get a guy like Melvin Ingram, someone to come in for this year who can be a game wrecker while Vaughn's out and then just give you an extra potential body once he comes back. And then my fifth option, my fifth need is running back because Let's see. The past couple of years, Bill's offense has relied on Josh Allen and wide receivers and Dawson Knox. They haven't really regarded the running back position with much. So I don't know if they'll continue to do that. I don't know if they want to take a different direction and try to prioritize running back, but we'll see, obviously. But though I did like what I heard about Brandon Bean saying he wanted to try to get a bigger back someone who had a different build, different style than the guys they already had. But we'll see who that is and how much they invest at that. Bryce, what's your order? Yeah, my top five would have to be linebacker, wide receiver two, running back, uh, safety, F4, and then... I don't know. It's kind of a debate at number five. I would have to say uh, defensive end just because Von Miller might miss most, or, you know, first part of the season, and we don't have a ton of great depth right there as it is. Tell me your order again. You said middle linebacker, wide receiver two, running back, safety, safety and then D line. Pass, pass rush, yeah. Are you happy with the O line right now, then? You know, I think it's good enough where you know if bean wasn't going to do anything with it in the early rounds i'm fine with it because you know spencer brown's going into year three he didn't look terrible year one i know year two he had some injuries he was battling throughout the season so maybe with a fully healthy off-season program we can see a better version of him this year and then do you think that they just 
kind of fill out the rest of their offensive line through the draft or free agency. But I mean, are we mainly looking at cheap signings, do you think, or late round draft picks or how do you see the offensive line? Because right now the bills have seven linemen under contract, technically 10, if you want to count the guys on reserves slash futures contracts between Alec Anderson, Ryan Vandemark and uh, Greg Mance. So right now the bills do have 10 offensive linemen, but you're probably going to get, a total of 14 or 15 bodies going into camp. And then you'll narrow that down to eight to 10. So out of those four or five left, how do you see it shaking out? Yeah, I would like to see them get a veteran at right tackle just to, you know, compete with uh, Spencer Brown. I don't want to see another young body there where, you know, Spencer Brown has to be the guy, you know, coaching him up a little bit when he's barely played three years already. So maybe a veteran right tackle like Brendan Shell or because I know we've been linked to him in, you know, this week already. Then guard I maybe made to late round rookie because, you know, Connor McGovern's getting, you know, he's not young. He's not super young. We will need a young body in there to step in then maybe center I would draft too because Mitch Morris has had, what, six concussions as it is. All right, so we're about an hour into this show. That was a great opening. Appreciate all the comments that we're getting. Seems like a lot of people are interested in this topic because like a lot of us agree that there's a lot of work that still needs to be done, and we're not just saying this just to say it. Like th- This is legit stuff that needs to happen. So in terms of getting into the specifics now, how about we go in reverse order? Let's start with the defensive linemen because I don't think this will take as long to talk about, and I want to build this up as we talk about some of the main needs here. So, Zach, I'm going to start with you because you already mentioned his name. One guy that I like is someone who is – he's been on the Bills before, Shaq Lawson. I think that he could be – a cheap veteran, team-friendly deal. He knows the system. Get him back until Vaughn comes back, and I think you'll be okay. But I understand you might want to get better at edge rusher, especially with Vaughn Miller being down because Vaughn has this uh, – what's the word I'm looking for here? He has a knack for acting like he's going to be back sooner than he is. And right now he's like, oh, I'll be back for week one. But he could be out till Thanksgiving again. Look at Trey White. So if we need a fourth defensive end for the first three months of the season, is Shaq Lawson going to be enough? I mean, again, don't get me wrong. Shaq Lawson is is decent. He's fine. He's a good depth player. I think if he comes back, I'm all in favor of it. You'll probably get him cheap, and he wants to be here. But he also doesn't really move the needle that much in terms of pass rush though he certainly did better than boogie basham but that's also kind of saying something about boogie basham and not in the right light but i that's why i keep saying i think melvin ingram he's still out there as far as i know as of tonight's show i think you could get him relatively affordable too he's his market has basically been set by his last two contracts one year four million base salary is probably near the vet minimum for his experience. Like you bring him in, 
another experienced guy that the younger guys can learn from. And he's a complimentary piece for Groot until Vaughn Miller comes back. And then at that point, you have three legit pass rushers, including Groot, who has shown flashes and hopefully will continue developing with good mentors around him. And I also wouldn't be surprised if you could somehow find a way to get both him, Ingram and Lawson, if you could do that, because again, you're going to need competition in camp. If Lawson's willing to take a cheap deal to come in and compete or whatever, it will probably end up being either or, but there is a possibility who knows. But at defensive end, that's what I would say. I would try to find someone who's going to be an effective game wrecker and pass rusher to fill in for Vaughn in the short term. And then when Vaughn comes back, could still be used in the rotation on the pass rush heading into the postseason. Let me just say this. I'm tired of using capital, and I don't want to say wasting capital, but drafting defensive ends high and then for them to not pan out whether you want to blame that on the player or Eric Washington for not developing them. I'm kind of tired of taking that route. But then you look at the money jar and it's getting empty. And if you have bigger needs than defensive end, do you really want to spend more money on a pass rusher? So, Bryce, I'm going to go to you for this. But, I mean, looking at the free agents that are left here, Leonard Floyd, uh, Leonard Floyd, too much money. Bud Dupree, he'll be too expensive. Frank Clark, I don't think he's signed yet, right? No, Frank Clark's still available. Jadavion Clowney, I mean, maybe if you can get one of these guys, but they're going to want money. Matt, I and I people talking about him but after that i mean justin houston that could be interesting but he's up there in age carlos dunlap dante fowler uh he did resign with dallas i believe he's still listed on here as a free agent but i don't know i mean there's not a lot of names that really stand out on this list for me so that's why i'm thinking between that and the money you might just be, I don't want to say stuck, but your best option might just be re-signing Shaq Lawson. Yeah, I mean, it wouldn't hurt to re-sign Shaq, you know, for some training camp, uh, training camp body, but I would like to get somebody better in there to upgrade the pass rush, you know, especially with Vaughn out. So maybe, uh, like Zach mentioned, uh, Melvin Ingram comes in or just looking at list of free agents, free agents right now unique and way or robert quinn comes in takes over that spot next to uh gregor so for a little while and then once von comes back has you know you have that good uh rotational piece in there where you won't miss a beat on pass rush and the main thing is not having to rely I was saying that yeah. the main thing would be relying, yeah. not having to rely on Apanessa or Basham as that fourth edge rusher, because right now they're not cutting it. I'm right there. When you can't rely on your top draft picks to step up when Von Miller is out, that is a huge fundamental problem right there. Okay. So, we talked about edge rusher. Now in terms of defensive tackle, who do you guys like here? Bryce, I'm going to start with you. Defensive tackle, there's not a lot of 
you know, decent players left. They're all, you know, older veterans who have spent a decade plus in league and have kind of lost that step. But, you know, like you mentioned, uh, Matt Ioannidis, he wouldn't be bad. Uh, Shelby Harris, he just got released from Seattle. He's been a decent player for them uh, the past few seasons. So he might be a decent option too. Um, you know, then there's Linvel Joseph, Quinn Jefferson, and Dominican Sue. There's not a ton of guys left if you are going for, you know, that starter, starter piece, starter player. Well, I have been on the Chris Wormley train, and that's not like it's chucking along that fast. <laughs> There's not too much steam to that train, but that's just someone who I think could be a piece. But again, that all stemmed from my potential Ed Oliver trade. And listening to Bean the other day. Wormley I... did go back to Pittsburgh, too. Did he? Yeah, he did. I must have missed that. What, was that over the weekend? Was that recent? Uh, it was, I would say, uh, Wednesday or Thursday, probably. Wow, I must have missed that. So I was saying him, if they're going to trade out Oliver, but I don't think they're trading Oliver anymore. Maybe they still do, but I wouldn't expect it because I don't think they're going to want to put more holes in this team. So right now you're looking at Oliver, Daquan Jones, Tim Settle. Do you just re-sign Jordan Phillips at this point? I mean, maybe it would be smarter, if anything, draft a defensive tackle. Maybe you don't draft a, a defensive end. Maybe you get a tackle because if you look at it from the perspective of next year, all three of those guys are going to be free agents. So you might want to get some fresh blood in here. So maybe that's how they get their fourth DT and they don't bring back Jordan Phillips. I was going to say there is an option in free agency we haven't mentioned yet, and it's someone who has been reported the Bills have had interest in. It was reported today. His name is Puna Ford, the former Seahawks defensive tackle. He I did mention him, not... but I'm oh, not sure well, if you caught that or not, but yeah. I might not have caught that. I don't know if it, you were lagging when you said it, but who knows. Um, but anyways, so he's likely not going back to Seattle because they signed two defensive tackles. They signed Jaron Reed back, brought him back. I forgot who the second guy was, but. They already basically filled their need there. Uh, Ford is also sort of fits in that mold of the free agent signings they signed this year, where it's a guy who's in his mid-20s, likely still has his best days, like either entering his prime or in the middle of his prime, not old, washed vet, whatever, He, where he could get a couple good years out of him. And also considering, like, Bryce said there's not a lot of decent options left so the market's probably going to die down if it hasn't already you could probably get Puna Ford relatively cheaper than if you had gone after Chris Warmly on two on Wednesday or Thursday and also again to Kevin's point about the hypothetical Oliver trade first off yeah what Bean was saying is that they want to extend him. I, they want him back. I would take him at his word on that. The only way you could feasibly think about trading at Oliver is if you brought if you brought someone in beforehand. You need to have an option in place 
before you could consider shipping Oliver off. And Puna Ford has starting experience. He has experience both in the three-tech position and the one-tech position. And he is a beefy guy. He's Yes, he's only 5'11", but he's 310 pounds. He's sturdy. Put him next to Daquan Jones, and you're going to have a beefy interior. You will be able to be more physical at the line of scrimmage. And then maybe you bring back Jordan Phillips if you ship off at Oliver and get whatever picks or Jerry Judy or whatever you want to do. Even though I don't really see an Ed Oliver trade happening. I mean, you would be saving that money. And then with that money, you could potentially go get one of these guys that isn't just washed up. So there are options, but I just, I don't see it happening. So I think the draft might be their best option in terms of getting that fourth defensive tackle if they don't want to re-sign Jordan Phillips. You know, I was thinking about going in reverse order here, but while we're talking about the defense, I'm I'm into the defense right now. So I want to talk about arguably the biggest hole right now. Let's just get this out of the way, and then we'll switch back to the offense. Middle linebacker. In Edmonds replacements. What do we think about this? Because a lot of us... We're talking about Bobby Wagner. I think that is going to be too pricey right now. There are a lot of other options out there. I was very annoyed when I was working the other night, and I looked down on my phone. I believe it was on St. Patrick's Day. I looked down at my phone, and it said Drew Tranquil to the Kansas City Chiefs for one year, $5 million. Why couldn't we do that? He had 146 tackles last year, had a breakout year. But he goes to Kansas City, and they're going to turn him into an all-pro somehow. So... The options, I don't want to say they're starting to get far and few between. There are still guys like Anthony Walker out there. Um, Devin Bush, I was never too high on him. He did go to Seattle, so that's another guy that got uh, signed by a, another team. I'm blanking on some of the other guys who are out there right now. I mean, there are options, but what do we make of this position? Because Bean said the other day, they are very high on the guys that they have on their roster. Again, I said, I just said a little bit ago, they spent that third round pick on Bernard last year. They spent a seventh round pick on Balen Spector. And they re signed Tyrell Dodson, who tweeted his goodbyes to Buffalo at the end of the season. He said, Thanks, Buffalo. It's been a great four years. So I was like, Dodson doesn't even have a chance to come back. And then all of a sudden, welcome back, Tyrell Dodson, one year deal. So then I see that and I'm like, Wait a sec. I wonder if they didn't get Edmonds back. And they called Dodson and said, hey, you know what? We didn't get Edmonds back, so scratch that tweet that you had. What do you think about coming back for you? are competing for the starting middle linebacker job. We'll just draft a rookie, and he can battle it out between you, Spectre, and Bernard. So that's where I'm kind of looking at this from, where I think the Bills might be done at middle linebacker and free agency. Yeah, that's a possibility. I mean, like Bean said in his presser, he expects a competition for that job. Obviously, it makes sense because you don't have an obvious answer right now on the roster to fill the void. That being said, you could go out and bring in someone like, look, I'm looking at the spot track list of available free agents, like Denzel Perryman. He's 30. He's probably going to be a cheaper option. Corey Littleton would fulfill the former Panther quota. Um, 
You got Quan Alexander, though I would not recommend him because of his injury history. Like I yeah, will say, it, just it sneak, it's slim pickings. But. Just to sneak in there real quick, the two that I was forgetting about to help you out here: Miles Jack and Zach Cunningham. Because I tweeted this out the other day, I did mention Bobby Wagner, Drew Trank, Tranquil, Devin Bush, and Anthony Walker. The two that I was forgetting were uh, Cunningham and Miles Jack. So again, it's starting to get far and few between in terms of those solid veterans who can come in. And I think Bobby Wagner would still be a great. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson natural boneless chicken breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. A little bridge gap, but I don't see the Bills spending money to get Bobby Wagner at this point. Yeah, I don't see it either. As much as I would love it, and I'm sure as much as most Bills fans would love to get him in here just for one or two years, get that bridge guy, immediate compete, just go onward and upward, not have to worry about middle linebacker for a year. I don't see that happening, again, because of cap constraints. And circling back to Drew Tranquil, I heard that the knock on him was that he wasn't that good in run defense, but he was a better pass coverage linebacker. So I think the fact he's going to the Chiefs, meh. I don't know, but like you said, watch him make him into an all-pro or something. <laughs> That's how she blows. So, Bryce, do you have any uh, do you have any uh, potential replacements here in terms of free agency? Maybe guys that we haven't mentioned yet, or did we pretty much cover all the guys who are on your radar? I think you pretty much covered uh, my guys pretty well. I had Bud Dupree and Zach Cunningham from Tennessee. I think Cunningham might be the best option, you know, just because he's he was decent with Tennessee. He wasn't great, but, you know, he was still serviceable enough where you could say bring him in, draft someone in first or second round, and, you know, have Cunningham start and you wouldn't be in a super terrible position like you would be with Dotson or uh, Mitakovich or somebody. Um but yeah, Bud Dupree, he would he's another guy. He's not my favorite option available, but you know, he's serviceable enough where he, it's not a terrible idea. Yeah, and again, it's just finding the right scheme fit for the right price. And I just don't know if there's a guy that's out there right now. I mean, maybe Anthony Walker. I believe his market value is a little over four million. So maybe you can get him on that deal. I mean, he's only twenty-seven. Yeah, four point four million is his market value, but I feel like a guy like that, he's in his prime right now, so he's going to be looking to make that big jump in in terms of a contract. He's not going to want to be a bridge gap, and, and maybe you do give him a deal that makes him a starting linebacker for a few years. But again, I don't see them giving term and big money to a guy right now, based on their cap situation and the guys that we've been talking about in the draft between Jack Campbell. Drew Sanders, Trenton Simpson, maybe a couple other guys that we haven't mentioned yet. 
Yeah, I think if you were going to spend big in free agency on mid-linebacker or whatever, it would have happened by now. You know, Bobby Wagner hit the open market on Wednesday when, you know, his release became official. I think something would have happened by now if Buffalo really wanted a big-name player like that. So, are we all in agreement here where we really might be looking at a four-way battle between the projected rookie, Tyrell Dodson, Tyrell Bernard, and Balen Spector to be Tremaine Edmonds' replacement? Yep. Uh, pretty much, yes. And that's tough. And, you know, I know Edmonds was polarizing. One of the biggest knocks on him was that he couldn't get off of his blocks. He couldn't shed those blocks. He couldn't read gaps. But you know what? Whether you loved him or hate him, that is a huge spot to fill because Tremaine Edmonds was the captain of that defense. He called all the plays. He relayed the messages. And he took a huge step forward last year. And again, whether you think he was great or not, whether he's replaceable or not, whoever does, that's going to be a very, very tough position. And I don't want the Bills to undervalue that and say, ah, we'll just roll with Terrell Dodson and we'll be okay and we'll just have to outscore the other team. I mean, Dodson's nice. I do like Dodson. I just don't know if he's going to be capable of being a starting middle linebacker. Zach, do you have anything to add (laughs) to that? Stop trying to set me up here. I'm not (laughs) falling for it. (laughs) I'm not falling down the trap. Sorry, sorry. I just had to get that out there. <laughs> if you didn't know, Zach and Terrell Dodson had a conversation on Twitter, so that that's where that joke comes from. <laughs> but um, yeah, I <sighs> I don't know because, like you said, the the money's drying up, and at this point, it seems like they're just going to draft one. And I guess that's where we'll leave it because I I really don't know <laughs> when you have other positions to fill. How much money are you going to want to put into a linebacker? And how much money is one of these free agents going to be willing to say, oh, I'll give you a team-friendly deal just for me to be a bridge gap and for you to draft someone over me, and and then I just have to sit on the bench and you don't even use me the right way? Like, can you really even talk to a guy like Miles Jansen Walker to come now? That's another. And – that's my issue with signing a big name like Bobby Wagner is even if you do draft or sign Bobby, you're still going to draft one run one. And, you know, if that first round rookie looks really, really good in preseason training camp, what's going to happen with him and uh, Wagner week one where, you know, you don't want to waste that first round pick, but you just signed Bobby to this two year 20 million deal, say whatever it's going to be. How are you going to balance those two? I mean, I know that based on the past precedent, we already know what McDermott would choose. (laughs) He'd choose Bobby Wagner over the rookie, but. And that's, that's the other thing that I was going to add in. I, I forgot to throw that in there. Past McDermott defenses have always had, a huge middle linebacker, whether it's Tremaine Edmonds or Luke Keekley. And Keekley was way bigger in terms of just stature and presence and, and the name recognition than Tremaine Edmonds. But to go from Luke Keekley 
to Tremaine Edmonds, to Terrell Dodson, or Terrell Bernard, or any of these guys, that's a huge drop-off. That's always a mainstay in a McDermott defense is a big, strong middle linebacker. And Jack Campbell, for what it's worth, is about 6'5", 250. So he fits that mold. But like Zach said, you were pigeonholing yourself to have to draft that position. And you better be sure that you're going to get him because if you put all your resources to drafting Jack Campbell and another team snatches him up, you're screwed. Yep. And you have seen being trade up and down on draft board too. So if Campbell starts to fall into like the 20 or I shouldn't say fall, but he's still there around 20 or 22. I wonder if Bane moves up to grab his guy before, you know, something like the Chiefs happens again this year where they trade up past Buffalo to take their guy. And here's another problem with that. The Bills only have six uh, draft picks this year. So they don't have a lot to play around with here in terms of trading up. Maybe you want to trade down to get some picks back. But if you trade up and say they have to give up one or two picks, say they have this huge package where they really want to move up and the team says, okay, give us your fifth round pick and your sixth round pick to move up 15 spots in round two or whatever to get Jack Campbell. You're only going to have what? And then you would swap the second round picks too. The Bills will only have four draft picks this year. And we, we were just saying how you have to use all six of those draft picks very wisely to fill as many holes as you can. So there's really not a lot of leeway here where maybe you do want to trade a guy like AJ Epinesa and try to get some capital back or just some assets to be able to play around with your draft a little bit more and get some leverage. How many of those guys will actually make the team like the sixth rounder or the fifth? Because if we're as deep at some positions as, you know, we all talk about this offseason, I can't see them, you know, keeping more than maybe four four rookies on this roster. I think this year, more than ever, you're going to have to hit on as many as you can, where out of those six, I think five, if not all six, are going to have to make this roster. If we don't see more moves made in free agency, you better knock this draft out of the park. So it all depends on what happens over these next couple of weeks in free agency leading up to the draft. All right, moving on. I think we should switch over to the offense now. Hour and 16 minutes in here. Uh, safety, I think we can all agree. Just draft one, get them in the pipeline. Not enough money to go out and get a veteran. You really don't need to now with Poyer and Hyde coming back. And apparently DeMar Hamlin too. So we talked about the defensive line. Let's go to the offensive line because I want to save the skilled positions to finish this off here. So who do we like at offensive line? Because I'll just go first here. I want to target right tackle because having Spencer Brown out there by himself is not enough. So I'm thinking, you know what? I'm just going to put him up right here. Those are my three. Jermaine Illuminor, we talked about him before. I know you talked about George Fant before, Bryce, and I put Brandon Shell on there because Ryan Talbot reported that the Bills have interest in him, 31-year-old right tackle from the Dolphins. Oh, buddy. 
Jermaine Illuminor went back to the Raiders, I believe. Yeah, he did. All right. Never mind. <laughs> also probably would have been too expensive anyways. When was that deal? I think that was Thursday or Friday. See, there are a lot of moves that I have the notifications turned on, but there are a lot that just kind of like fly under the radar and you miss them, you know? Case in point. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so what, what do we think about right tackle in general then? I mean, either of you guys, whoever wants to go first here, who else is out there? Who can we get? And what should the Bills do? Well, I think I thought I may have mentioned this already earlier, but obviously I think the plan would be the ideal plan is to get a veteran right tackle, just whoever's left bargain bin free agency, just as depth slash to push Spencer Brown in case, and in case he falters in this year, then have a capable, competent backup who can step in. I will say of the guys you did mention, the other two, uh, say George Fant's probably the better of the two, but who knows how much he wants. And Brandon Shell, they already it's already been reported that there's interest in him. He might just be one of those guys that you could get for cheaper. So I don't know. Take your pick of the two. Just bring a veteran in and you know, just go from there. Well, looking at the list here on Spot Track, correct me if I'm wrong. Maybe these haven't updated yet. These are the available right tackles. George Fant, Billy Turner from Denver, Jawan James from Baltimore, David Questenberry, Josh Wells from Tampa, Jermaine Ifedi from Atlanta, Marcus Cannon, formerly of the Patriots, our old friend Ty Insecki, 37-year-old Ty Insecki, Mike Remmers with the Jets, and LaRaven Clark. So give or take, maybe we did have one of those deals that already came through. Maybe all those guys aren't free agents anymore, but that is what Track is showing in terms of free agent right tackles who are available. So does anyone stand out to you from that group, Zach? From that group of right tackles? I mean, again, like I said, it's just at this point, whoever you could get cheapest – that's still quality veteran depth. I think someone said that, uh, who was in the comments? Somebody just mentioned that, I think it was George Fant played both sides. Could play both sides. He'd be a good swing tackle. If he can do that, then bring him in. If Brandon Shell can do that, bring him in. Whoever you can get for an affordable rate to be veteran depth for Spencer Brown. Yeah, I mean, I would still, I know they signed McGovern, but I would still rather draft on the interior, whether it's guard or center, to replace Mitch Morse down the road. And like you said, I want that veteran competition for Spencer Brown on the outside. So I guess I would have to go with George Fant or Brandon Shell at this point. Bryce, would you agree? Or do you have someone else in the mix? No, I'm thinking it's Brandon Shell or... Uh, nobody, honestly, because you're you're not playing with a lot of cap space this year. So, you know, George fans probably going to want a decent contract since he can play 
both sides and, you know, right tackle, he can play well. So he's probably going to want a decent sized contract to, you know, compensate that. And with Brendan Shell, you're, you're probably looking at him being Spencer Brown's backup. So maybe, you know, one year, two or three million deal and just leave it at that. Well, George Fan has a market value of 3.3. So when I put it in terms of this, what is the highest price that you would go on a right tackle? Three and Whichever a half. Whichever you guys want to go. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I'd say I'd say three and a half just because Spencer Brown's probably going to be that starter, you know, excuse me, um, you know, Bean loves to give his draft picks, you know, second, third, fourth chances. So, you know, this is going to be his, what, second chance probably to start. So, you know, you're probably not looking to sign somebody to start day one and move Spencer Brown uh, to – to the backup, to be a backup. Zach, what's your price? I would say about the same as Bryce, three, three and a half mil. Just enough to get a veteran, you know, and then you think about the long term throughout the season, like based on how Spencer Brown progresses or regresses and figure it out next year. Well, in terms of their PFF grades and stats, George Fant, in 516 snaps played in 2022, allowed five sacks, was called for seven penalties, and had a 48.4 grade. So considering Spencer Brown's 51.4, <laughs> I'm not sure how much of an upgrade that would be. Brandon Shell had a 64.9 in 761 offensive snaps played. He only allowed two sacks and had four penalties called on him. So based on those numbers and the market value, maybe Shell is the guy that the Bills go after here. How much are you willing to shell out for him? Ha-ha. Ah. I would say probably right around the same as you guys. I think my max would be $4 million on a right tackle because you can – move some money around. I know I said the Bills roughly have $3 million right now, but a lot of that depends on what you want to do with middle linebacker, wide receiver, running back. So that's kind of a loaded question right now. If you could get him for two, two and a half, three, that's ideal. If you have to spend a little bit more, okay, maybe, but it all depends on how you want to allocate your resources. Okay, let's go to wide receiver now. One of the favorite positions among fans to talk about here. This is going to be interesting. Finding the depth at wide receiver. I've been on the Marvin Jones train for the last few weeks. As far as I know, he has not been signed, right? Yeah, he hasn't been signed yet. You're good. Okay, I'm so good with that one. <laughs> I still think Marvin Jones could work. I do like your suggestion, though, Bryce, of DJ Chark. I think he could be nice. So I'm going to put these yeah. on here. These are my three guys right now. Marvin Jones, because I think he can be that savvy vet just to work 
the short to intermediate route because he's not going to be a shiny new toy for Ken Dorsey to want to bomb at 60 yards every time. Marvin Jones knows his role. He can be a wide receiver five, wide receiver six, and he he won't mind. He'll just say, whatever you need me to do, I'll do it. So I think you could get him on a cheap deal. But I liked your point about DJ Chark last week, how he is a combination of a downfield threat or that intermediate threat as well. He's got some size, and he really hasn't found his stride yet in the NFL. I mean, he had a couple of nice years in Jacksonville, had some good moments in Detroit, found himself injured last year, and I think he is ready for a breakout season. But the money, or the, yeah, the, the question is, what kind of money is he going to command? And does a guy like DJ Chark, at this point, it doesn't matter as much because the Bills need help, but the target share between him and Gabe Davis, I think we can all agree, it doesn't matter if he takes targets away from Gabe Davis, whatever, because Davis wasn't catching. But if you draft a rookie, say the Bills draft, I don't know, Jackson Smith and Jabba in the first round, or anyone else for that matter, then how are you going to manage that between Gabe Davis, DJ Chark, and that rookie? So that's why I was thinking more along the lines of Marvin Jones. He'll be cheaper. He doesn't mind sitting back and taking that wide receiver five or six role because I don't know if DJ Chark is going to want to be at the bottom of the depth chart. But I do like DJ Chark. So, Bryce, I'll let you take this one first. And then, Zach, I'll get you in here. And then, as you can see at the end, everyone's Odell. Yeah, so I do have two options here. One to fade both sides of the fan base, a cheaper option and a more expensive wide receiver two option. But let's start with DJ Chark. I did mention him last week. He's a big body, six foot four uh, run. He's very fast too. Um, you know, perfect for Josh Allen and Ken Dorsey's type of play. Um, but it's going to be tough because I do think he's going to want between eight to nine million per year. And, you know, with us only having, I think, Spot Track has Buffalo at $13 million, it's going to be tough to be able to pay him that much money along with the rookies and, you know, keeping that two or $3 million like Brandon Bean wants to. Or, you know, wants to for the regular season, which is why I'm thinking it's more likely we go a cheaper option and uh, Nikhil Harry is my cheaper uh, wide receiver. He's another big body, six foot four, you know, had a decent year with Chicago when he uh, did come off his injury. Um, you know, he's still younger too. He just finished his fourth, I think, fourth season. You know, he's still that guy. McDermott and Bean can mold into the player they want. Still perfect option for uh, Josh Allen in the red zone. So I think Nikhila Harry, if you can get him at the right price, would be a nice option for Buffalo. Zach, before I get you in here, I just want to say the Falcons have signed Mac Hollins to a one-year $2.5 million deal. So if he was on anyone's boards, you got to take him off. For what it's worth, I, I saw a couple of people talk about Matt Collins. I've never been that big of a Matt Collins guy, but figured I should say it for what it's worth. Also, uh, CJ, or uh, yeah, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson. I was getting confused with his initials, but either way, he's in Detroit. That was the other breaking news. Um, big deal for Detroit. I mean, they, they are working that back end of their defense. I think the Lions could be good, but yeah, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson 
in Detroit. Lions here, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, David Montgomery, Cam Sutton, Emmanuel Mosley, Graham Glass now, and they own picks 6, 18, 48, and 55 in the draft. Wow. And they had a good season last year, too, so I'm expecting big things from them. Yeah. Yep, Dan Campbell wants to bite those kneecaps. <laughs> <laughs> so, Zach, what do you think about the wide receivers here? Well, funny enough, you mentioned Mac Hollins. I was going to bring his name up as a bargain bin guy, but lo and behold, <laughs> he's going to Atlanta. Whatever. Uh, <laughs> preferably. He wouldn't have moved the needle anyways, so. Yeah, he wouldn't have moved the needle. So going back to the three guys you got listed on the banner thing here, if I had to choose one of the three, I would say DJ Chark because he's younger. He still has more of a career ahead of him, more he hasn't fully hit his ceiling yet. Marvin Jones, he's he's all right. He's a veteran. He would be like signing Emmanuel Sanders again, except maybe just a little less, like a little less of uh, impressive, as it were. I don't know. It's just well. Let, let me and he won't be the wide receiver two behind Diggs. Yeah, he's not going to be a wide receiver, too. But here's the thing, because a couple of years ago, I'm glad you brought up Sanders. Sanders was here to be wide receiver, two. Gabe Davis was wide receiver, four, because the slot is wide receiver, three. Gabe Davis is at the point now where he can be wide receiver, two. He just needs help. So we're not looking for a new full-time wide receiver, two. We're looking for that wide receiver, four, who can push Gabe Davis and give him that competition. So that's why you could get that Emmanuel Sanders this year without taking that away from Gabe Davis. Now, I will say if you draft someone, that's a different story. But in terms of getting that veteran, that's why I don't think that the Bills have to go spend big if they make it a point that they want to draft one. Now, we'll get to Odell because that would be spending big and making that splash move. But if they want to go the cheap route, that's why one of the main reasons why I've been so high on Marvin Jones is because he wouldn't interfere with Gabe Davis and the hopeful rookie that the Bills select. I mean, I guess you got a point there. I'm I'm just saying I don't think I would be terribly impressed by the signing. But also at the same time, I don't think we're at a in a position, the Bills are in a position where they need to impress the fans with signings. And they may not necessarily be able to afford those signings that would impress the fans. So, I mean, Marvin Jones may end up being the feasible option, but I feel like if they want to continue in the mold of what they were doing in free agency, there is somebody else out there who's sort of in his mid-20s who could be a under-the-radar cheap signing, but it's the former Colt Zach Pascal. He spent last year with Philly. He didn't really see much of the field. He played in all 17 games, but he only had like 15 receptions. But he has experience because he was a meaningful contributor with Frank Reich in 2019 and 2020. He had over uh, 40 receptions, 600 yards, five touchdowns each of those seasons. He could be one of those guys where if you're looking for meaningful depth, but also with potential upside who won't necessarily push Gabe Davis out of the way. 
Pascal could be your guy. I like that option. Now, I really haven't gotten into the draft too much. I've just done some preliminary stuff because I've been neck deep in free agency. But let me just say, with the baseline knowledge here, I want the Bills to get a straight-up boundary receiver. I want someone who can make the tough, contested catch, who can potentially take over for Gabe Davis next year and provide that depth this year because, again, Deontay Hardy's the first backup behind Diggs and Davis right now, and he's 5'6", and he has an injury history. Give me and a he six can play four. slot, too. Well, yeah. Yeah, and he can play slot. So I know the Bills like position flexibility. Give me a straight-up boundary guy who can run down the sideline and make a tough, contested catch. So I was looking into a little bit. I like Cedric Tillman from Tennessee. I saw someone mention Rasheed Rice from, I believe, SMU. Those are a couple of big-bodied guys who are straight-up boundary receivers who I like for that role. So let's just say the Bills can get Cedric Tillman. Round two, we'll say. The, the wide receiver room would be looking like Diggs, Davis, Shakir, and then I think Tillman would go to wide receiver four. Hardy would slide down to wide receiver five. You use him more as a gadget, mix him in here and there. And then you have one position open for potentially a free agent. I know people have talked about Desmond Patton staying on the roster as a, a special teams guy. Keyshawn Johnson. There's always Jay Kumaro. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think that's what we're looking at right now. There's two spots left in the wide receiver room. I think one of them has to be a rookie, maybe two, but based on where we're at with our draft picks and how many other holes and positions that need to be addressed, I think you spend one pick on a wide receiver, maybe get an undrafted free agent. But the way I see it is one rookie, one free agent from here on out. Yeah, I think that's probably what they'll end up doing. Whoa, 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 No respect for Shakir. No, 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 no. We've been hyping my man Shakir up the whole offseason here, man. We're not Shakir talking about slot receivers. Three. Huh? We're not talking about slot receivers, though. We're talking boundary guys, you know, Stefan Diggs and Gabe Davis spot, not, you know, Cole Beasley and Khalil Shakir. Yeah, yeah. You're, you're saying that in terms of this comment, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, I I have Shakir as my wide receiver three. I think this is his time to go prove himself. That's why I don't want the Bills to go get someone like uh, Jalen Hyatt. You know, well he he would be more of that vertical threat where he would be like a Deontay Hardy, uh, someone like even like Zay Flowers who has an inside outside versatility or Josh Downs. I don't really want that because then you're just gonna have more of the same skill sets between Hardy. And Shakir and even Hines, if you want to throw him in there for that matter. And it's like you didn't even move on from Isaiah McKenzie, too, because that's, I'd say, mostly the reason why you did move on from McKenzie is because you got Shakir, you got, you know, Deontay Hardy you just signed, and then Naheem Hines. So you got, what, three or four positions, three or four players that can do the exact same thing. That's what I'm saying. Give me a big. Six three, six four, six five receiver that yeah. can just go win the battles down down the field, make that tough contested catch. So okay, I think we have to talk about Odell, right? Going back to Odell, reports came out 
from actually Odell himself where he said, no, 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 I, I don't want, I'm not asking for upwards of 20 million. I'm just saying that I'm worth more than 4 million. So I don't know which team is saying that we only want to give you 4 million, but that could be the bills considering their cap situation. So let's just say it was Buffalo because we know that Buffalo has had links to Odell. And if Odell wants more than four, but the bills don't want to pay him that much. First of all, are you willing to get Odell here? Second of all, how much are you willing to give him? Zach, you first. I mean, the, the thing about it is, again, we're, we're already talking about how Kevin was already talking about how he wants a veteran that won't necessarily push Gabe Davis out of the wide receiver two role. Signing OBJ would do that. That's also, and also, I mean, I don't know if he actually, I don't believe, I do believe him when he says he doesn't necessarily want 20 million a year because first off, no one's going to give it to him. I don't even know if anyone would be willing to give him 10 million a year. I mean, maybe considering the wide receiver market nowadays, but I don't think so considering he's been out of football for a year and a half or almost a year and a bit. So I think that he may end up being in like the sort of like maybe the six to eight million dollar range if he's not willing to take four million. I don't I don't think that anyone specifically offered four million. I think according to OBJ, it was more of a hypothetical or something. He was just saying that he would wouldn't take four, but also isn't asking for twenty. I don't know. I just I'm not that interested in OBJ mostly for the reasons we've already outlined in discussing the other wide receiver options. Put it this way. I'm interested to a point because if you sign Odell, that goes back to my last point that he's going to block that new rookie or even Gabe Davis for that matter. And you might say, well, I would rather take Odell than Gabe Davis rightfully. So, but if you draft someone like a Cedric Tillman or a Rasheed Rice, obviously Odell's going to get more targets than him and you're going to block him similar to how, Shakir was getting blocked last year. So I think I am going to be the the warmest to the Odell idea after the draft, because if the bills get through the draft and they don't come away with the top wide receiver, then it's like, okay, we need help. Go get someone like Odell who is still available, but that could be risky too, because what if a team like Baltimore who is in desperate need of wide receivers, what if they snatch them up? What if, Another team takes him. Green Bay, for all that, you know, for all we know, that could take him. Brandon Cooks went to Dallas today, so they might be out on Odell. So that could help us in our benefit, but that's kind of being a little bit risky there if you want to wait multiple months to see what the market's going to look like for Odell because he could be gone at that point. But I think to answer my own question, I would want Odell the most after the draft, when I know who's on my roster, how much money I have to offer. Because if you do it right now, it could be a poor allocation of resources considering blocking the growth and development. Because here's the other thing, too. If you sign Odell, you might not be as apt to want to draft a wide receiver because you think, oh, we have a Band-Aid here. We have Odell. All is fine. We don't need to draft Jackson Smith and Jabba. Or we don't need to draft Cedric Tillman. Let's just go get a linebacker or let's get an offensive lineman. And then you look and say, well, Odell's here for one year and now we're in the same predicament. 
So I think as nice as Odell will be here, there are some stipulations. I agree with yeah, that. And, and if you do want to, you know, connect rumors and connect the dots here, Jordan Schultz did come out and say Buffalo has checked in on Odell recently. He didn't say that they did offer him a contract, but they did check in on him. And the Giants are out of the Odell mix. So if you do want to play that $4 million game, maybe the Giants were the team that offered him $4 million, now they're out, and it's down to just say Buffalo and the Jets. Let me ask you guys about Adam Thielen because reports came out tonight that he's signing with Carolina. Were you guys Adam Thielen fans trying to reunite him with Stephon Diggs? I did want him, but at the right price because, you know, him and Diggs did have a nice connection. You know, they – we did need a wide receiver too, and Thielen could have been that, but – I don't know about at the price that he got from Carolina. Yeah, I mean, what was the price on that? Did... So three for twenty-five million. Yeah, I was gonna say I saw it on Spot Track mm. that they don't have the full details of it. They just have three years, twenty-five million, fourteen million total guaranteed. Average salary eight point three three repeating mil. Yeah, that's too much. Too rich for my blood. So before we move on and finish out with the running backs here, do you guys want to talk about any other wide receivers? Maybe someone that we didn't mention. If someone wants to throw it in the comments, we'll get them up here. Uh, but I'm just looking down at the free agents here. <laughs> Kenny Galladay, Robbie Anderson, Nelson Aguilar, Randall Cobb, Marvin Jones, my man, Julio Jones, uh, Byron Pringle, Jarvis Landry, Nikhil Harry, the aforementioned Nikhil Harry. Um, Sammy Watkins, Zach Pascal, Keelan Cole, Marquise Goodwin, Miko Hardman. That that's that's one of the best ones available. But that would kind of be redundant now because you just got Hardy, Trent Sherfield. That could be interesting. Rashard Higgins, Chris Moore, Richie James, Demarcus Robinson. The list goes on and on. I, I don't need to keep reading through these. Oh, the the last big one I want to say. Talking about a big-bodied wide receiver, I wonder, Brashad Perriman, that's always been an interesting name just because, you know, big-bodied receiver wouldn't block the development of a rookie. Remember Justin Hunter in 2016? Yeah. <laughs> that was nice. A nice experience, yeah. Didn't yeah. you have like it, seven touchdowns Brashad, and they're all in the yeah. red zone too? Exactly. That could be Brashad yeah. Perriman. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> It was a nice little trip down memory lane. <laughs> uh, yeah, Perriman, if he's down for a one-year vetman deal, you just bring him in as a camp body, let him compete for a depth spot, see what happens. I'd be in favor of that. I was a big fan of Byron Pringle last offseason when he was a free agent. Now that he is again, I might uh, kind of be interested in bringing him in You know, as wide receiver four or five. He did, uh, you know, only play 11 games this past year for Chicago. He had 135 yards and two touchdowns on 10 receptions. So not that great of a year, but, you know, all things considered, I mean, what else are you going to want from someone that's late in free agency? Now, I don't want to clog too much time up with this, 
but I know it's a hot topic. Trades, Andre Hopkins, Jerry Judy. If there's time at the end, we can talk about this after we finish the running backs because I know there's some running back trades. But roughly, would you trade for Jerry Judy or DeAndre Hopkins at the right price? Because reports came out saying that all it takes is second-round pick and a player of value or a couple of draft picks. You know, You know how the rumors go. You don't know exactly what the team wants, but it seems like each player would be reasonable. And I've been meaning to look at uh, DeAndre Hopkins' contract, and I keep forgetting. So I'm going to look at that right now with it's you guys. $19 million it would be paid this year. not going to happen. Okay, <laughs> yeah. He is willing so, to restructure his contract, there. but you know how much is he going to want to restructure with Buffalo and how many players is uh, Brandon Bean going to want to restructure also? Because he did – uh, you know, move money around for four players already this year. I really don't see it happening. I think what we talked about at the outset of this segment is more feasible. And, you know, yeah, with Jerry I Judy, just... too. Um, you know, I think he's probably going to want somewhere around $20 million a year, so that's not happening either. I just want to say, Chris says we can talk all night, so... <laughs> Let's go. Let's talk about running backs all night. <laughs> but that being said, to finish out the show here, want to talk about the power running back. This is a very interesting topic because a lot of us were very high on Jamal Williams and Deontay Foreman. I already talked about them at the beginning of this show tonight. If you missed any of this, again, this is all recorded. You can go back and watch. Tell your family and friends. We'd appreciate it. Um, yeah, I mean, the options are starting to get down there where you're looking at it like wide receiver. It's just a bunch of, I don't want to say washed up guys, but a lot of veterans who are past their prime, but for this position, it might not be that bad because wide receiver, you want someone who still has that pep in their step running back, specifically a power running back. Yeah. A couple of these guys might've lost a step. And I know we talked about this yesterday, Zach. But I'm looking at these three guys right here. And I know you could say Leonard Fournette has lost a step. But if you build your offensive line the right way, his market value is $2.3 million right now. He's 28 years old. He's 228 pounds. He is not afraid to steal a quote from Zach Moss, make his defenders make business decisions. So if you can get him here on the right price, I'm all for Leonard Fournette and even Zeke. For that matter, he's lost a step. He's not what he used to be, but if you can get him from, for the right deal and tell him, Hey, you're RB one, but just know that you're going to be splitting snaps with James Cook and Naeem Hines, but we're going to rely on your veteran presence and you're going to be our goal line back. You're going to be a pass protector because that's another aspect. You got to look at the pass protection of Josh Allen. I'm willing to take a flyer on Leonard Fournette or Zeke, because like I said earlier, I'm kind of tired of wasting draft picks on running backs. And I shouldn't say wasting, but spending high capital on draft picks. I'd so say that's wasting. why that go ahead. No, I'd say wasting because you know, Devin Singletary didn't pan out, Zach Moss didn't pan out, Jerry's still out on uh James Cook, but that's two running backs he drafted highly and they haven't worked out for for you. Zach, what do you think to continue on with our Twitter <laughs> conversation here? Uh, 
Good times. Good times. Um, I mean, like I said, Leonard Fournette, it's an interesting case because you look at his size and you think he's a bruiser, he's a power back. But the last couple of years, he hasn't played like it. I don't know if it's because he's lost a step or whatever. Maybe it was because of injuries in his past or whatever, but or just the way that Tampa played offense. He's done more as a check down option than he has as a bruiser. And that's why that's what I meant by him saying that he's not a bruising power back anymore. It's because he was used the last couple of years with Tom Brady. And yes, we all like to joke about Tom Brady being the check down game king, but he is the king of checking the ball down. He utilizes it so often. And Larry Fournette was actually sneaky good at it the last couple of years. I think most of his fantasy value came from that, especially last year with how up and down that Tampa Bay offense was. As for this team, seeing him in the Bills, you like you said, we all know. We drafted James Cook last year. Thought was he would come in, be that sort of pass-catching back or whatever. Didn't really do much receiving last year. But right now, he's in line to take over that top role in the RB committee. Like the Singletary role. And then you have Naheem Hines, who you just restructured. Everyone knows he's a great receiving back. So you slot him in there. Where exactly does that leave Leonard Fournette? you're putting him into the power back role and we don't know whether or not he can actually do it anymore. So I'm going to say as much as my dynasty fantasy team would probably (laughs) benefit from having him taking short yardage carries away from Josh Allen. I'm out on that. Obviously if Brandon Bean does go out and sign him, cool. I'll get over it. I'll support him. I just don't see it happening. As for Ezekiel Elliott, I know he's, every analyst's favorite darling right now for the Bills just because everyone wants to mock a running back to the Bills because they know we need a little bit of help at running back. You're not bringing Zeke in to be RB1. Let's be honest. He's not an RB1 anymore. He's not good enough anymore to be the feature back. If you bring him in, he would be solely the power back. If you can get him cheap enough, yeah, sure, whatever. I just don't know if you can i don't know if he'd be willing to take that big a pay cut from what he was making in dallas i don't know i would not pencil him in as an rb1 (laughs) no matter how many bowls of cereal he pantomimes eating or eats on camera i don't care damian harris though is interesting to me and it's because he's younger again one of those guys who would fit into that mold of the bills free agents so far the free agent class a guy going on a second contract probably won't command as big as the market was and considering what the market was at running back he and he's still unsigned yeah that should say any that should say everything about it and he had he had his shining moments with new england and belichick and we know how he liked to rotate backs I think he could be an interesting option. Again, I don't know if he'd be a power back, but he would be a good change of pace guy. And that I think he'd be a good compliment to cook, just not in the traditional power back sense. Yeah. I like Damian Harris too, but he has a market value of 7.1. And I think that 
where That's he's at in, I know, but where he's at in his career, he might have to take less money than that. But I think he still wants to be that featured back because I think he proved that he could handle the workload and he, and he had to split carries up in New England all that time. But again, you look at the landscape of it. I don't know if there's a team out there that can bring him in at this point and say, hey, here's $5 million, you're RB1. So he's probably going to have to settle, whether it's snap rate or contract term or money, cap hit, whatever. But yeah, Damian Harris is definitely interesting. Because like you said, I think he would be a nice change of pace back between Cook and Hines. Bryce, what, what do you think about these three? Are you on the Leonard Fournette train? Because I tweeted it yesterday, and a lot of people responded. I think more people said yes than no. If you want to check it, my Twitter is just at Kevin underscore Syracuse. Um, you should be able to find it. I don't think I tweeted that much in the last 24 hours. But, um, yeah, a lot of people agreed that they would. take. I, I didn't say that the Bills should. I just said, here's Leonard Fournette. He could be a power back, 228 pounds. Bean said they want to get heavier. He has a market value of 2.1. What do we think? Would you want to sign him, Bills Mafia? And a lot of people said, yeah, I would. And there were a good amount of people that said no, too. But it got some decent traction. And I want to hear what you think about this, Bryce, or any of the other running backs, for that matter. Yeah, so I'll start with uh, Leonard Fournette. I, for $2.1 million, I would love to bring him in because he's still that, you know, I wouldn't say that great running back like when he left Jacksonville. But he's still a good enough running back where if you want to bring him in, be your third down running back or be your goal line back, he's going to be good enough where you can rely on him to do that and take some pressure and a bunch of hits off Josh Allen so you can hopefully try to extend his career a little bit longer. I don't think he's going to be that feature back like he was in Tampa or Jacksonville, but you know he's still got enough tread on his legs where he's going to still be decent yeah so out of the go ahead no i was just gonna say or start going towards ezekiel Elliott now um i was taking care of something in the chat so go ahead (laughs) but yeah ezekiel Elliott, he's he's had some you know off games you know now with tony pollard coming in and taken over that featured role but i don't think he's as bad as people want to make him out to be he's that's where i know he yeah if he's you still, use him the right way it all comes yeah, down to he's how still you use 27 him. years old too it's not like he's 30 31 years old like some like LaShawn mccoy or frank Gore, especially frank Gore when we brought him in <laughs> um but yeah he can still be that rb2 you know compliment James Cook well have Naheem Hines come in as either a wide receiver you know a gadget guy but you know I don't think any of these guys are going to come into Buffalo and become that main running back or take over James Cook role where you know that's just a wasted pick like Devin Singletary and uh, Zach Moss were So if you had to rank these guys one to three, 
what would your order be? Considering their market values, the Bills caps, all that stuff. What's your order of these three running backs in terms of bringing them to Buffalo? Or I'll let you throw anyone else in there for that matter. Yeah, so I'll start with these three. And I do have one other uh, running back in mind for later. Um, I'll go Ezekiel Elliott, number one, then Leonard Fournette. And I would round it out with uh, Damian Harris. I think I would agree with that, too, because Harris is probably the best running back right now. Maybe. I don't know. I still like Zeke because, like you said, he's really not that bad. He just takes a lot of criticism because he shows his gut off and it's like, oh, wow, look at that. He's been doing a lot of eating too much. So I don't think Zeke is that bad. And I think if you use him the right way and say, hey, James Cook and Naeem Hines are at least Cook is the main back, but you're here to compliment him like before. You were the main back and Pollard complimented you. Now you are doing the complimenting and you are also in charge of protecting our franchise quarterback. So I would totally be down to bring Zeke up here. Same with Leonard Fournette. And I really think that those two guys fit better than Damian Harris. And I agree with that too, because, you know, James Cook isn't going to be that, you know, that running back that takes 15 to 20 carries a game because he's never done that in Georgia. He hasn't done it in Buffalo or didn't do it last year, at least. Um, so we don't, we don't know if he can be that main guy. So you do want to bring in someone with at least some experience to, you know, compliment him well. And I don't think Damian Harris can be that back because he, he has fought injuries throughout his entire career in New England. Only played in 11 games last year, 15 the year before, 10 his second year in league, and then two as a rookie. Zach, what would your order be out of these three? Or anyone else for that matter, if you want to throw them into the mix? Well, considering considering the uh, available options, I don't know. I... I just don't really see them actually signing one of the higher profile remaining free agent backs. I get, I get the feeling that they'll, you know, everyone's talking about Zeke. Everyone's talking about Lenny, even Damian Harris. I get the feeling they just bring in like Latavius Murray on a one-year deal. I don't know. Like I, I don't really want to see that. I just get that feeling. They bring in a veteran into the room into the mix because they don't really have that person right there. Latavius Murray's more of a bigger back as being said in his press conference. I don't know. I mean, again, not my preferred ranking, but if I'm going based on what I think the bills do, I would say Latavius Murray's one, maybe Zeke two, Damian Harris, three Leonard Fournette four. I don't know. I just, I really don't know what to think about running back right now. <laughs> no. I'll throw another name out there. Kenyon Drake. That could be an option too. If you do want that bigger back, what do you think of Kareem Hunt? Because he is 5'11", 216 pounds. You don't like him? No. He's just exactly He's exactly what James Cook and Naeem Hines are. Just that pass-catching back, speedy shifty. I know he's got some more weight, but he was the compliment to Nick Chubb in Cleveland. 
where Nick Chubb is a big bruiser and Kareem Hunt is there to offset him. Right now, if everybody get Kareem Hunt, those would be three guys with the same skill set. I want a straight-up downhill runner. So I wouldn't even entertain Kareem Hunt. Who knows? Maybe maybe the Bills will get lucky and another team drops someone that's actually a power runner. <laughs> hey, how about J.D. McKissick? <laughs> <laughs> that would be a cruel joke. <laughs> okay, how about this? As much as we're talking about all these running backs and we're saying the different orders here and this guy, that guy, market value is this, market value is that, I'm going to put another one on here in a moment as soon as it loads. Boom. <laughs> the guy that we had. What, what do we think about Motor? Okay, because. <laughs> Okay, I'll just say right now, I like Devin Singletary. I think that he did his job here, but for our sake and for his sake, I think it's time to move on because I'm sensing the same thing is happening that happened with Jordan Poyer where the market's dropping and you could get Motor back for cheap. But here's the thing with Motor. He is right in the middle of that big bruiser and the shifty pass catching back. And I know they used him for pass catching last year, but if you look at someone like a Deontay Foreman and James Cook, Devin Singletary falls right in the middle. Like, yeah, maybe he has some power to him. Yeah, maybe he has a little bit of quickness and shiftiness to him. But he doesn't have a lot of speed. He doesn't have a lot of power. He's a nice all-around back. So I think for his sake, he needs to look at that and say, Buffalo really didn't use me the right way. I know that I can produce more. I'm going to go elsewhere. But I have to throw it out there because – it's still possible that we could re-sign Devin Singletary. And I see we have some comments. I, I'm, I'm wondering what people are saying about this because I, I think people do like Motor, but I think we're all under the agreement, the, the agreement that there's probably a better fit. But if it comes down to it, what if the Bills bring Motor back? Bring him back just to rush for, what, four carries, 25 yards? Exactly. That that's a problem with it. Because he, yeah, he's not a goal. Six, five, six million dollars to you know rush four times a game. Give the rest to James Cook and Nine Minds. It, it won't be six million dollars. Not it won't be that much. Market. See that's the thing. We motor could say I'll take the vet men to come back and I don't know if I would Is it gonna it. be the vet minimum though? Because no, he did I think he'll get more he did than a that, piece but... Yeah, he'll get more than that, but I'm just saying, he could say, I'll come back for dirt cheap, and I think I would look at that and say, hey, money aside, it's just really not the best scheme fit anymore for what we want to accomplish. But that's me. I don't know what the Bills want to do, because for all we know, they could they could just say, let's just get an undrafted free agent bruiser and run with it that way, because James Cook and Naeem Hines are our two main running backs, and we want to be a pass-heavy team. So who cares about the running backs? Yeah, exactly. Like I said, at this point, we are we we know who the top two backs are, and if you want to do a three back committee, cool. Just find someone with a different skill set. If they don't like what's out there, just 
stick with Cook and Hines and maybe look at someone in the draft, look at someone after the draft. It's a long off season. They'll have plenty of time to mull it over. Um, For people that are saying Kareem Hunt is 216 pounds, he's listed at 201 on here. What are you looking at? But that was just a Google search. Okay, now I do see – maybe that was Wikipedia. Now I do see 216. But this one, okay, in college he was 200. Now this one's 216. Okay, so he's somewhere between 200 and 216. Either way, yeah, okay, he might be a little bit heavier than Cook and Hines, but he's still not a Deontay Farman or Jamal Williams, just a straight-up goal line back. He has more shiftiness to him, so that's why I don't want a three-headed monster of the same type of skill sets. Buffalo did have that at tight end in years past, but I do see your point in not wanting that. And I saw someone in the comments of this too. We're like, if we bring motor back, we're just running back the same team. And that ties into what I started the show with. Are we actually improving that much? Cause if you bring motor back, what's the direction of this team? Because it seems like we're saying we're going to do exactly what we did last year. We just want to execute it better. And I think that's a big philosophical fundamental problem. I would have to agree there because, you know, you got to see what Devin Singletary could do for four years here, which, you know, before his ankle injury, his rookie year, he did look good. But after that, you know, you started drafting running backs, you you know, didn't really use him properly or he wasn't running good enough. Either way, whatever it is, you got to see him for four years. You got to know what he looks like and what he can do in this offense, which honestly is not not much at all. I do respect him, but he's not a good runner if if you do want to get better there. And I've seen some people talking in the comments about Reggie Gilliam. Never use him. And there was a stat that came out last year when he's on the field that the Bills' offense was more successful. And I believe he did not have one single rush last year. It's because he's a good run blocker. Just use Dawson Knox <laughs> and take at running back if you want Reggie Gilliam. <laughs> God damn. Wait, put what's Kyle the thing about Gilliam? Put Josh Allen at running back. He's a fullback. Why do you want to use a fullback slash tight end as a runner? I'm just saying you you do have that option. Or if you want to, like, let him pave the way as a blocker. Do use him as a fullback, yeah, because I loved how he, you know, how the run game looked when he is used at fullback. But using him as a runner, and I've seen this in, you know, other places too, not just from you, Kev. But, you know, using him as a running back is not a good idea. He's not... You know, this it's not 1950 anymore where you're just running 100 times a game. I'm not saying you have to run it with him a lot. I'm just saying mix things up, put him back there as a blocker. Maybe you throw a couple pass to him. Maybe you give him, if it's third and one, maybe you give it to Gilliam one time just to throw the defense off because they're like, oh, Josh Allen's going to sneak it. Oh, never mind. It's a fullback sneak. So just something like that to change things up a bit. Yeah, I mean, as much as I'd like to see some fullback dives in the offense, I don't see it happening. <laughs> All right, well, I think that'll just about do it for tonight. Before we wrap things up here, do you guys have any final comments? I know 
Some of the big names have been Derrick Henry, Dalvin Cook. Can we just put that to bed? I, I don't think the Bills are trading for either of those guys, correct? Can we all agree that we're not going to be in for a big it's, trade? Yeah. It's not happening running back because, and I don't want to get off on a tangent here, but you run 10, 15 times a game. Why are you paying 10 to $12 million for running back just to run him maybe three or four times a game Give it and give it to your other younger running backs? Uh, more. I would agree with that. Zach, do you have anything to add about that or just anything else before we close things up here? All I got to say is, you know, Josh Allen's QB1. Hopefully he doesn't have to be RB1. But doesn't have to happens. be, but he will be. <laughs> yeah, he'll, he'll take <laughs> it into his own hands. <laughs> well, I think that'll do it. We were a little bit over two hours, but for the most part, you know, it was as clear and concise as we could be. Um, last week, we had a lot to say. That was almost three hours. So we're getting better. And I think a lot of people were engaged because people in the comments are saying we can still talk. So don't tell me to keep talking. <laughs> but anyways, um, appreciate all of you guys for tuning in and for Zach and Bryce for joining me tonight. I see. Is there XFL on right now? There is. Uh, San Antonio and Arlington are playing right now. Interesting. Interesting. All right. I might have to check that out. Um, in terms of the Bills free agency, I hope we see some low-cost moves because right now the Bills have made 18 total transactions. And, you know, we should probably include this because we are the Writers Club. I am working on an article as we speak, that'll be coming out tomorrow where I recap the first week of free agency and I preview week two, pretty much what we talked about tonight, but I'm going to be putting it into words. Bryce, are you working on anything as as of right now? Yeah, so tomorrow I will have an article coming out about, or excuse me, listing the best remaining free agents available at positions Buffalo needs. Cool. So that will tie into mine because... Like I said, I will be previewing free agency and I'll let you go into depth more than me. And I'll just kind of give like a baseline of what the bills did, what the bills still need to do, what positions they still need to address. So with that being said, keep it locked right here on Buffalo Fanatics throughout the week as we will have a bunch of content coming for you. Hopefully we have more news to break to you, meaning that big baller bean gets back to his big baller ways. I, I like how Rico said, is it bargain bin bean? I don't like bargain bin bean. I know he has to be bargain bin bean, but I want big baller bean to come out this week in a smart way to allocate those resources. So with that, as Walter says here, good night, everyone. Thanks for tuning in. Once again, this is the BF writers club on Buffalo fanatics, Kevin Syracuse, Zach Vaughn and Bryce Martino with you. We'll see you next week. Same time, same place. And with that. Go bills. Go Bills. Where's the music? There it is. Okay.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.